2: old school legends modern power players and ex-lovers are all competing in cape town south africa for the prize of three hundred thousand dollars and we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast listen to mtv's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app apple podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts
1: nfl total access the podcast is getting you ready for the 2024 nfl draft
2: 5G just got real. iPhone 12 and iPhone 12 Pro are here on Verizon 5G. This new iPhone plus Verizon 5G?
1: Game changer.
2: With the coverage of 5G nationwide and in more and more cities, the performance of 5G Ultra Wideband, the fastest 5G in the world. Now, when you switch to Verizon, get iPhone 12 on us with select trade-in and select unlimited plans.
0: I want this phone.
2: Get the 5G phone everyone wants on the 5G America's been waiting for. Order online today with touchless pickup at stores.
1: Only on Verizon the 2020 MLB season will be one like any other that we have seen before a 60 game sprint in just over two months to decide who will be playing in October in a format that lends itself to the unpredictable but that's where Greg Peterson comes in he's got you covered daily highlighting elements and angles that will be essential to know along with his picks with every single game on every single day now it is time for the baseball betting Podcast with Greg Peterson.
3: Hey warm hello, welcome to Love Las Vegas for the baseball bang podcast. Myself Greg Peterson. We've got a terrific show for you. As in the second segment, Patrick Creighton, he does a great job as ratios host out there with ESPN 97.5 in the city of Houston. He is going to be joining me in the second segment. We're going to be talking to him about what we've seen from the Astros thus far in the postseason. If they would have a better chance of being able to make the World Series if they face off against the Yankees and the race. And just ask him about all these series in general. I'm going to have a great chat there. And then in the final segment, I'm going to be giving you guys a sign total on every game on Thursday's MLB betting board. and something you like to call a touch a ball, fortunately. We still have all four series going on. I do love to be able to answer your Twitter questions. If there is something that you like answered on this podcast, feel free to fire that in my Twitter timeline at JRS41. If you send these via direct message, AKDM, well, letters, EM to Mimi doesn't matter. You can also send these in by an Apple podcast review. If you rate this podcast five stars, you send in your question comment, concern, what have you, I will read it off on air, and it is always appreciated when you rate this podcast five stars. It certainly helps with being able to give this podcast a little bit more exposure. People get to see, oh, Greg is doing a great job and everything like that, so truly do appreciate it. Thank you so much for that, and we did not get in any Twitter questions today, but we did have four high-quality baseball games on Wednesday, so Let's take a look at those, try to find some trends and get to know these teams just a little bit better in general.
1: What happened yesterday? Let's go around the bases and find out.
3: We had one game in which was decided by one run, and of course it's the one that I wound up playing the run and a half on the run line. As the LA Dodgers wind up taking down the San Diego Padres by kind of six five. If you can tell, I'm a little bit salty because Kenley Jansen winds up giving up two runs in the ninth inning that allows the Padres to keep it within one for Clayton Kershaw. I wouldn't consider it his best start. It certainly wasn't his worst, so He winds up giving up three runs over the course of six innings. He did give up two home runs in that sixth inning as Eric Hosmer and Manny Machado both took him deep. And for Zach Davies, this was not the start that he was looking for. He gave up three earned runs. Now, he gave up a couple of starts in which there were more than three runs, but it was due to errors and everything like that. But with regards to earned runs, he had given up three or fewer in every one of his regular season starts. He's now given up four-plus in both of his postseason starts. He gives up four over the course of five innings in this one. Pierce Johnson comes out of the bullpen. He gives up two runs while recording just one out. Drew Pomerantz had to put out the fire from there. Emilio Pagan and Dan Altavia both gave the Padres a scoreless inning. And for the LA Dodgers, this is a team that got a nice home run off of Cody Bellinger's bat he has been certainly heating up this last month or so of the season and for the LA Dodgers bullpen other than Jansen was pretty solid as Blake trying. Brasheeter, Gratterall were both able to combine for two scoreless innings, and Joe Kelly was able to get the save. And now the Padres, one loss away from having their season ended. The Yankees are going to be facing a do-or-die game on Thursday themselves as the Tampa Bay hot Shell Rays take them down by a count of 8-4. to four, and My goodness gracious, the ball is flying out of the yard out there in the state of California right now. Kevin Kiermeyer winds up going deep off of Masiur Tanaka. That was a three-run shot that it looked like it was a strike him out before he wound up getting to the plate. The umpire was certainly having a little bit of a sketchy zone in this one. But if you were backing the over and the raise, you certainly were willing to take it. Randy Arozarena has become Mr. October for the city of Tampa Bay. His third home run in his last three games. He is on absolute fire and Michael Perez winds up going deep for Masi or Tanaka. He does wind up giving up two home runs at five total runs over the course of four innings. I will debate that that was not his, all his fault. Chad Green giving up the home run. That was his fault. He gave up two runs in an inning. Luis Sessa winds up giving up a run as well and it caused the team to go to Michael King for two innings and Nick Nelson for a full inning. So a lot of long relievers have been used for the Yankees over the last two days and John Carlos San just continues his tear. He winds up getting his fourth home run of this series. He's had seven hits so far this postseason. Six of them for home runs. He went deep off of Shane McCallan, who I believe was making his first career appearance if I remember correctly as Charlie Morton. In this one, he winds up going five innings. He gives up two runs, only one of which was earned. He was able to strand the bases loaded out there earlier in this game as William Thomas hurt the team with two errors, but then from there, you wind up having McCallan come into the game. He winds up giving up one earned run, two total runs, John Curtis with two S's on the end of it. Five outs for this team. And Diego Castillo was able to close the door. And now the Rays. One game away from the ALCS. And who they're going to be facing off against in the ALCS is still to be determined. As the Oakland A's, who were down three runs going into the seventh inning of this game, facing elimination, were able to get a 9-7 win. They got a huge three-run home run off the bat of Chad Pinder. That is his second of this series. That came off of Josh James. Now this ball had no business whatsoever going out. If you subscribe to the Junior, ball theory, much like myself, and even if you don't, this is evidence that we've got a juice ball right here, as you also have Marcana going deep, that was off of Jose Urikidi, you have Marcus Simeon going yard off of Urikidi as well, and Tommy Lasola did as well, for Jose Urikidi, he winds up going four and a third think he's giving up four runs, three of which were home runs, for reference, he wound up making five starts during the regular season, he gave up four home runs during the entire regular season, and then from there, Josh James gives up that incredibly cheap three-run home run. You had Brooks Raley come in for two innings. He winds up giving up two runs under a scrub along with Blake Taylor. We're able to come in for some relief. And for the Houston Astros, very good sign that Alen Mezias and Jose Altuve were both able to go yard. Those both came off of Jesus Lozardo. for Lozardo, Just hasn't necessarily had the year that I expected from him. He gives up those two home runs, four in the third innings. He gives up four runs. He has Merrill Petit, gives up three runs as well. But Liam Hendricks, a three-inning win for this team used up 37 pitches. Jake Diekman also gave the team four outs. Strength of the Oakland A's has been their bullpen. That allowed them to get to victory. And the strength of the Atlanta Braves all postseason long has been their pitching. In three other four games so far this postseason, they've shut out their opponent. And on Wednesday, it was another one of them, too. The zero of the final for the Miami Marlins. Just nothing doing. They strained seven men on base for Pablo Lopez. Actually, a pretty good start. He went five innings. He gave up three hits. And he gave up two runs. But it just so happened that two of those three hits wound up going over the fence. Travis Say arnault and Dansby Swanson both get their second home run of this series. From there, Brad Boxberger, Richard Blyer, Brandon Kitzler, they go an inning apiece. They give up a combined one hit between the three of them, so certainly wasn't the Atlanta Braves offense that got the job done, but Ian Anderson has probably been, in my opinion, the most upstart rookie of any starting pitcher that we've seen so far this season, and that's even comparison to 6-0 Sanchez. I expected something out of Sanchez. Didn't really expect a lot out of Anderson when he was making his debut. Eight punchouts, five and two thirds innings. He was able to hold down the fort, and then from there, Mark Melanson, Will Smith, Tyler Madzek all and inning appears. Sharon O'Day was able to close out the sixth inning as he was able to help strand the bases loaded and the Miami Marlins now one game away from losing their first ever postseason series in their franchise's history. That's just how strange 2020 is. It's something that is a little bit less strange knowing what we're going to be able to get out of Patrick Creighton. He always delivers on this podcast. Great radio shows for ESPN 97.5 out there in Houston. Going to be talking to him about all these postseason series in general and about the Houston Astros and how they've been able to put things together here in October. That is on the other side right here on the Baseball Bank Podcast. Myself, Jake Peterson.
2: 5G just got real. iPhone 12 and iPhone 12 Pro are here on Verizon 5G.
1: This new iPhone plus Verizon 5G. Game changer.
2: With the coverage of 5G nationwide and in more and more cities, the performance of 5G Ultra Wideband, the fastest 5G in the world. Now, when you switch to Verizon, get iPhone 12 on us with select trade-in and select unlimited plans.
0: I want this phone.
2: Get the 5G phone everyone wants on the 5G America's been waiting for. Order online today with touchless pickup at stores.
0: Only on Verizon. You're making grilled cheese tonight. The store with the really, really good cheese closes at 7 If it's 12.1 miles away and work ends at 5.45, but rush hour picks up around 6.15, when's the latest you can leave for cheese? Don't know? Not to worry, Waze knows. Take a look at the traffic forecast and plan your drive ahead of time. Waze, download and drive today. Greg is calling in
1: a pinch hitter from the Overtime Network Hotline.
3: We're back here in lovely Las Vegas for the Baseball Bang Podcast. Myself, Greg Peterson, and it is great to be joined by our next guest as this man is a radio show host out there in the great city of Houston for ESPN 975, the show that he does its late hits. You can hear that 7 to 9 p.m. Central, Monday through Friday. If you're out here on the West Coast, that is 5 to 7 p.m. Pacific, Eastern Time, 8 to 10. If you're looking for a wine time, I will let you do the match yourself. But this is a man that wears very many hats as he does that show. He was also doing some play-by-play broadcasts for the Sugarland Skeeters, independent league baseball team out there in the state of Texas as well. And you're able to follow this man on Twitter, at pcreighton1, as it is Patrick Creighton joining me on the podcast. And my friend, it is always great to have you aboard. Thank you. Always appreciate you. Thank you for the invite, Greg. And I'm sure that you are very happy about the Astros and what they've accomplished so far this postseason. They wind up taking the first two from the Oakland A's. As we're doing this podcast right now, we are unsure how Game 3 wound up going, but... They were able to take down the Minnesota Twins as well. This is a team that, as we both know, they were really scuffling on offense towards the end of the regular season. And Even in those first two games against the Minnesota Twins, it's not like this team was firing at all cylinders. They were certainly the beneficiary of an error in the ninth inning in game one of that series. But they've been able to turn things around against the Oakland A's. What do you really attribute this to? Because it seems like things have just all of a sudden been able to turn around for the Astros. They had a historically good offense last year. This year hasn't been quite the same, but they seem to have gotten it going at just the right time. Well, it looks like the fun is back.
4: A lot of people, you know, look at the team and going, you know, they don't look like they're having any fun. You know, they don't have that energy level. They don't have that swag. You know, they're not yelling and screaming and jumping up and down the dugout, which is something that we've come to see from the Astros over the last few years. All of that seemed to be gone. I think that was a fair, you know, a fair assessment in that they went through the whole cheating scandal. They had a absolute disaster of injuries, and they weren't playing very consistent baseball. They went through a big lull right at the beginning of September. They lost like nine out of ten, and it was just there wasn't that excitement for the Astros. And it seems to have come back really just in time for the postseason. It's like you know they they kind of found themselves offensively against the Twins and. You know, it's it's carried over against uh Oakland in the first two games. But they seem to have found the offense and all the guys that you would expect to hit who are hitting. It's Springer, it's Altuve, it's Bregman, it's Brantley, it's Correa, it's the usual suspects, the guys who, you know, you expect were gonna hit. And you know, you look like it's like, all right, look, Jose Altuve is not gonna hit two oh six all year long at some point. If he's not hurt, he's going to come around, he's going to start hitting. Same thing with Springer or with Bregman. You knew they weren't going to be 205 hitters forever. They're all starting to find their swings right at the same time, which makes the Ashes a very dangerous offensive team.
3: They certainly have been able to find it at just the right time, and I do think that there needs to be a little bit of something questioned when it comes to Major League Baseball, as it is Patrick Grayton joining me on the podcast. We've noticed it in this series, and I've really noticed it in this round of the postseason in general. My goodness, the balls are really flying out right now. There are some people are saying, oh, it's just a hot weather and everything like that. I am of the belief that we've got a little bit of a juice ball situation right now going on in this round of the postseason. Although I'm sure that the Dodgers and the Padres might want to disagree with that. But I don't know what your thoughts have been watching these first couple of days of the National League and American League Divisional Series. But it just seems like the ball is flying out at a much higher rate than we've ever seen before. And it just seems like something has been done to these balls. You remember last year, all during the season, the talk was about, you know,
4: the juiced ball and the ball being different and ball being wound tighter and having a harder core and exploding off the bat, traveling further. And then in the postseason, it's like, okay, well, we got different balls for the postseason. You know, the home rates, they fell a little bit in the postseason. It's like they went and found all those baseballs from last year during the regular season, and those are the baseballs we're using right now. Because the ball is exploding off the bat. And basically every series except for maybe, you know, the Dodgers, because somebody better stop throwing strikes to John Carlos Stanton he might hit one from Houston to Dallas with the balls coming off his bat right now. And there's a lot of home runs. I mean, there's already been three home runs hitting at Dodger Stadium. Dodger Stadium notoriously a pitcher's park. All serious. Every remark from every broadcaster is, man, the ball's jumping out of here. I've never seen the ball jump out of this stadium the way it's jumping out of here in this state, in, in, in this series. And look, we know Major League Baseball, they want offense. Would you put it past them? You know, hey, let's go back to making the baseballs the way we did last year, because I don't put anything past baseball.
3: No, I don't either. This has certainly been one of these things, which aside from those games at Globe Life Park, and that is obviously where we're going to be seeing the World Series taking place, we have been really seeing the ball flying out there. And when you just take a look at The postseason picture in general, we do know that we're going to get at minimum a game four between the Yankees and the Rays. I think that that's going to be fascinating. Obviously, the Houston Astros are looking to be able to have a series against one of those two teams. If it does wind up being Astros versus Rays or Astros versus Yankees, which team do you think you'd give the Astros a little bit of a better shot of upsetting? Because I do think that going into that series, regardless of which of those teams win, They're going to be made the favorite, but the Astros certainly have been able to turn over a new leaf this past week and a half or so in the postseason. I do think that it is going to cause for a lot of hoopla out there in the American League. The Rays and the Yankees is the most interesting of
4: the division series to me because you've got all the Yankee offense and you've got all the Rays pitching depth for a series where there's no off days. I think at some point that becomes an issue. Can the Yankees pitching hold up when there's no off days? If the Yankees advance to the ALCS against the Astros, both teams are going to have the issue of, all right, do we have enough pitching depth to get through a long series? You know, we could see, you know, a few of these games really turn into slugfests because you've got to, at some point, be able to get outs. And look, the Astros have, what, eight, nine rookie pitchers on, on their staff. Think about the Astros staff from last year. To this year, no Justin Verlander, no Garrett Cole. You got Zach Granke Dillon injury. He's probably not available. No Roberto Osuna, no Brad Peacock, no Chris Davinsky, no Will Harris. Joe Smith opted out. Like that's almost a whole dang staff. The Astros pitching is like almost completely turned over. Yet Valdez making his first postseason. Archini pitched last year. You know, he's the guy who maybe has the most postseason experience him and, and Lance McCullers who's coming off of Tommy John surgery. He didn't pitch last year. The Astros are doing this with a completely makeshift pitching staff, and the kids have actually pitched pretty well. You know, they've held up. They went through a lull, like I said, at the beginning of September. The whole Astros team went through a lull. The Astros pitching staff went through a lull. The first 10 days of September, I think they played 12 games, and they lost a whole bunch of them. They've kind of been able to, to, to circle the wagons. And get everything back on track. Got to give a lot of credit to Dusty Baker and to Brent Strom because the second time through the league, we've seen all these kids we haven't seen before. Now we're going to make our adjustments and they've been able to get these kids to make their adjustments and be successful, you know, on now what would essentially be your third month, you know, through the league. The Astros and the Yankees, we could see some games late in that series that just have a zillion runs with Tampa. Tampa's offense, generally speaking, is not on par with the Yankees and the Astros as far as star power is concerned. They're not going to hit first high and average. They're not going to hit as many bombs, but they've got the best and deepest pitching. So that's why I think the Yankees and the Rays are the most interesting ALDS because that series could go the full five. If the Astros get out of here, you know, going to the ALCS for the fourth time, uh, fourth straight year and they're going to have a few extra days off, and they're going to face whichever Tampa Yankees team had to go the full five games, that's a huge advantage going to Houston against either team. I would think they've probably got a better chance of upsetting the Rays and upsetting the Yankees because the Yankees' strength, with all that offense, and an unproving pitching staff, that's a lot of dice. stuff. And it's probably easier to beat the team that doesn't score as much as it is to beat the team that's going to put 10 runs on the board and everybody and their brothers hitting home runs. But the Astros, depending on how fast they get through the series, if they can close out the A's and that Tampa Yankee series goes to full five, Astros have a really good shot to win that series, regardless of who they play.
3: I agree with you. This is a team that certainly has been able to kick it into gear, as we do have Patrick Creighton of ESPN 97.5 out there in Houston joining me on the podcast. And then on the National League side... I think we'd both agree. This is right now the L.A. Dodgers to lose, probably with regards to World Series in general. This is a team that they led the National League in runs scored, They led the National League in ERA for the San Diego Padres. They were hoping to get a little bit of something out of Mike Clevenger along with and Lament. Well, they got something out of Mike Clevenger, but it was only one inning. Very unfortunate what wound up happening there. And I thought that the best hope of any team in the National League winding up stopping the L.A. Dodgers would be the San Diego Padres. Looks like that's not going to be happening. I don't know if you have any different thoughts as to the National League, but right now as I see it, it's just the Dodgers and then everyone else. I don't care who winds up coming out of this. Miami Marlins versus the Atlanta Braves series certainly looking like the Atlanta Braves, but I think that the Dodgers should be able to take care of business and be able to make the World Series with ease.
4: The Dodgers have been the best team in the National League, hands down, from before the season started. They rolled through the regular season. The Padres made a bunch of moves to the deadline to be able to challenge the Dodgers, but without a healthy Mike Clevenger. They just don't have the pitching. I think the Padres I think the Padres are a great story because that was the perfect example of the young team that maybe in a normal season would not have been ready to get to the postseason. You're going to have those peaks and valleys over the course of the season. Uh, but with the short season and all those young kids, they could potentially get into the postseason, make a run. Well, here they are. They're in the NLDS. And they're running into the best team in the national league, and really the best team in baseball. Let's just be real. The Dodgers are the deepest lineup, the deepest pitching staff. The only question for the Dodgers really is the back of the bullpen. Kelly Jansen has shown in the postseason that he is anything but a lockdown closer when you get into the postseason and you know, it'll be interesting to see, you know, what kind of Clayton Kershaw we get. If you look at Kershaw's playoff history, he's got a habit of good start, bad start, good start, bad start, good start, bad start. Well, it's coming off a terrific start, and he string together quality, you know, strong starts, Cy Young type starts throughout this postseason without having that game where he just gets blasted and he's out of there in three innings. Here's a guy who is one of the greatest regular season pitchers in the history of baseball. Can he finally be that guy? For an entire postseason where he doesn't have those games where he just gets blasted. I can't explain why it happens. You know, we couldn't explain it for Greg Maddox either. Why is a guy who is so filthy dominant all year long come into the postseason and he's mortal? And in Kershaw's case, sometimes he's been less than mortal. Can they get that elite effort from Kershaw every start through the postseason is gonna make a big difference? The Dodgers, you almost gonna find like they're they're either they're hexed or They haven't had the fortitude to get the job done. You know, they lost against the Astros in their own building, gave it up against the Red Sox. Then last year, they don't even make it out of the first round. This team has to prove they are more than just regular season monsters and postseason puppies.
3: Yep, it certainly has been a tough go of it for the Dodgers in the postseason because they've had tremendous regular season after tremendous regular season, this one being their best win percentage of all, although obviously it was across 60 games with a little bit of a unusual schedule in that they didn't have to wind up playing all the teams. They wanted up playing the AL and NL West. But with that said, it certainly was a tremendous regular season for them, but they certainly do have a little bit of something to prove, as we do have Patrick Creighton joining me on the podcast And Patrick, is there anything else that you're really looking at with regards to this postseason? We've obviously talked about the teams out there in the American League, the big bomber in the National League with the Dodgers. Is there anything else that you think might be a little bit of a buried storyline that we might see come to the forefront these next two or three weeks for the rest of the postseason? Like I said, the Yankees and
4: the Rays is the best series to watch. The Astros have a very good shot to, you know, basically bury the A's today. If San Diego can somehow pull itself up by the bootstraps, and make that a series, that would be fun. I think the Marlins are ahead of schedule. We see this sometimes with, with a young team that's ahead of schedule. They get to the postseason and the bats disappear. Well, the Braves can pitch and Miami's bats are invisible. I don't know that Miami can really make a series with the Braves because I think that they are ahead of schedule. I don't think they're ready for this spot just quite yet. Very, very young team. Think about everything that that team went through, Uh, you know, from the early season COVID shutdown, and they didn't play for like a week and a half, and they had to play a whole bunch of games, a whole bunch of doubleheaders. Everything about this season, nothing is normal. The start-stop, the two spring trainings, the universal DH, the COVID shutdowns, the seven-inning doubleheaders, nothing about this season is normal. The fact that the Marlins are in the postseason after, you know, losing, they just lose 100 games every year. And now here they are, they're in the postseason. You know, they're playing the Braves. Braves are a better team. And I don't just mean the star power. I mean, up and down the lineup, they're a better team. Uh, Rotation-wise, they're certainly a better team. More experienced team. This is the Marlins' first endeavor into the postseason in a long time. And they got through a round. Like, that's a big deal. For me, for the Miami Marlins, they got through a round in the postseason when ever since Derek Jeter took over this team – he doesn't know what he's doing. They're giving everybody away. They're never going to be any good. Even Marlon's man doesn't want to be a fan <laughs> anymore. It's just been negative, negative, negative. Nobody wants to go to the games. The stadium cost all this money and the old owners don't want to pay the city what they owe. And now they want to go after Jeter. Like it's somehow his fault. Gary Jeter has come in. They've kind of put some of that Astros model of, you know, building through the draft, having a lot of high picks, hitting on those picks. And he's brought that Jeter style work ethic and sense of business to this team where like they are all hustle all the time. You don't see the Marlins slacking off. You don't see a lot of the. Dumb mental errors. Look, they're going to make physical errors, but you don't see a lot of the dumb mental mistakes. These kids are always hustling. They take pride in themselves. In the dugout, out the dugout, they're moving it. You can see the transformation happening before your eyes. For the Marlins to be able to rebuild under Jeter and his group the way they have when they were left with the worst farm system, nothing at the major league level, and no ticket base whatsoever, uh, thanks to Jeffrey Luria and David Sampson and the way they just utterly destroyed that team in that market. That is one of the biggest stories in all of baseball for me this year, is the turnaround of the Miami Marlins being way ahead of schedule.
3: Yeah, the Miami Marlins have been doing an absolutely superb job of being able to rebuild things, over a 100 losses last year. I mean, I thought it was going to be a fish fry this year, but i certainly bet anything but that. But one man that he always produces, he never has down years, that'd be our good friend Patrick Creighton. And Patrick, I know you're doing an absolutely terrific job out there with ESPN 97.5 and so many other different ventures, as I know you do some broadcasting when it comes to Sugar Land Skeeters and so much more. So let the good people at home know how they're able to follow you on social media and just what you're all working on in general. All right, you can get me at
4: Creighton one on Twitter. You'll find me on uh, ESPN 97.5. A little bit of a, of a crazy schedule this week because of there's so many things going on between the baseball playoffs and the NBA Finals. There's just, everything is going on. We are actually on uh, 8 to 10 central tonight, 9 to 11 Central, tomorrow night. You can find us at ESPN975.com on the ESPN Houston app and on our Twitch channel, twitch.tv ESPN975.
3: And Patrick does an absolutely terrific job with it. So big thanks to him for joining me right here on the Baseball Betting Podcast. Coming up next, it is that time They give you a sign total on every game on the Thursday MLB betting board and something I like to call, touch them all. 5G
2: just got real iPhone 12 and iPhone 12 Pro are here on Verizon 5G. This new iPhone plus Verizon 5G.
1: Game changer.
2: With the coverage of 5G nationwide and in more and more cities, the performance of 5G Ultra Wideband, the fastest 5G in the world. Now, when you switch to Verizon, get iPhone 12 on us with select trade-in and select unlimited plans.
0: I want this phone.
2: Get the 5G phone everyone wants on the 5G America's been waiting for. Order online today with touchless pickup at stores. Only on Verizon.
0: Your morning commute typically takes 25 minutes. If a 400-cubic-foot dairy truck spills 2% milk on the freeway, causing you to take a detour and get stuck at a drawbridge for 20 minutes, how late will you be? Don't know? Well, good news. You don't have to. Because Waze knows. With real-time traffic alerts from real Waze users, your ETA is always up to date. Waze. Download and drive today.
1: Welcome back to the Baseball Betting Podcast with Greg Peterson as we're off to a quality start. And now it's time to walk it off in a grand fashion.
3: And we're back here in lovely Las Vegas for the Baseball Betting Podcast. Myself, Greg Peterson. Big thanks to Patrick Creighton of ESPN 97.5 for joining me in the last segment. Now it is that time of the podcast. I give you a sign total on every game on the Thursday MLB betting board and something you like to call touch them all.
1: If a game is listed on the betting board, Greg has a side and a total on it, so it is time to touch them all. Do
3: you note know that any changes are maybe these plays will be listed up on my Twitter feed at generouscourty1. I'm doing this just as the Padres and the Dodgers game went final and just as Rays versus Yankees went on to the MLB betting board. So we might have some moving numbers. And obviously, when it comes to Dodgers and Padres, not going to be able to give you as much there just because we've got to be determined servers. But going to do my best there. Any changes that are made to these plays will be listed up on my Twitter feed at Jurns41. As per usual, we go in Las Vegas rotation order. And this will begin with... 921, 922 on the banking board as it is the Atlanta Braves on the road facing off against the Miami Marlins in the city of Houston. I always have a bad habit of saying on the road, but this is a neutral site game as Kyle Wright goes for the Braves. Meanwhile, Sixto Sanchez on the bump for the Miami Marlins. Totals anywhere between 8F and, and 9 on the 8 over Overs anywhere between minus 115 and minus 120 with the juice. Under is anywhere between even and minus 105 on the nine. Under is minus 120 and the overs even. If you're looking at the Atlanta Braves, going to be laying anywhere between minus 135, minus 145 with the Miami. Mar- Going to be getting them anywhere between plus 125 and seeing as high as a plus 130. And it is going to be 6-0 Sanchez who I'm going to be putting my faith in because this is someone that has a 100-mile-per-hour fastball. Now, he certainly had a little bit of a rough go of it towards the end of the regular season. But you take a look at this guy. I believe that he's given up more than three runs just in one of his starts. Now, the walks did tick up a little bit towards the end of the year. But you take a look at what he's been able to do in general. This is someone that I am able to place a little bit of faith in just because in his start against the Chicago Cubs, a scuffling Chicago Cubs team. But he was able to go five scoreless in that one you really like to be able to see it and other than a bad two-start stretch which ironically enough one of those starts was against the Atlanta Braves and the other was against Washington Nationals he's really given up three runs or fewer in pretty much all of his starts so you have got something good there with Kyle Wright he had a atrocious start to the year he wound up in his first five starts just going a grand total of 19 innings with 18 walks he had an 805 ERA Recently, he's really been able to pick it up. If you take a look at it, his last three starts, he's went six plus innings in all three of them. He has given up a combined six total runs, five of which were earned in that time span. A big thing has been he's been able to limit the walks. He's given up six walks in these last three starts. Prior to that, he wound up having six walks in a start against the Miami Marlins, and this is someone that he hasn't fared well against the Miami Marlins. He made two starts out of his last five against them, and he wound up giving up a combined eight runs in seven innings. So This is a Marlins team that they're able to hit him, and they're able to hit them hard. With the Miami Marlins, you're not going to have the Marte Parte out there. Sterling Marte still injured for the team, but you've just got a bunch of professional hitters. Guys like Brett Anderson who wound up hitting like a 265-270 during the regular season. Jesus Aguiar, Garrett Cooper, both of these guys were hitting right around a 280-ish. You haven't been able to get a lot of guys going in this postseason, but Miguel Roas had a 400 on base during the regular season. I like his chances, and this is a Miami team that they had their chances on Wednesday. They just weren't able to cash in. Meanwhile, for the Atlanta Braves, they're certainly going to have this team outkicked when it comes to the bullpen, but you did have to use up Mark Melanson and Will Smith from the bullpen. Darren O'Day was used up as well, but he only won 10 pitches. You got to think that he's going to be available. You have Shane Green that's going to be out there. You do have to like what Chris Martin brings to the table, so they certainly do have some good bullpen pieces, but when it comes to Length, they might need to go to someone like a Josh Chomlin because I still have my question marks with Kyle Wright. Now with the Atlanta Braves, there's no question marks when it comes to this lineup. Travis Teranoma, I Marcel, Ozuna, Freddie Freeman all in above a 315 during the regular season. Both of these guys for Freeman and Ozuna wound up being in the top 10 when it comes to home runs and RBI out there in MLB with Ronald Acuna Jr. You could tell that he was fired up in game one. He winds up hitting that home run, Sandy Alcantara then comes at him with a pitch. This is a guy that has a four on base. You don't want to be making in my angry Ozzy Albies, not necessarily have a great series, but he's someone that he ended up towards the end of the year. Davey Swanson was able to get a home run in game two as well with Miami Marlins. You certainly don't have the world's greatest bullpen with this team, but I think that someone in Yimi Garcia who didn't necessarily hold up in game one. He'll be able to avenge himself in game three. James Wade has been a little bit up and down, but I have a little bit of faith in him as well. And I think that Sanchez is going to be able to give a far better start than Kyle Wright. I think that we get bad Kyle Wright. This is a Miami team that has just really owned him. So for that reason, I think that this season is going to be extended for the Miami Marlins, who have never lost a postseason series. So we're going to be going this all over, and we're going to be taking the plus price here with the fish. 923, 924 on the betting board is up next. This game has no numbers, as we've got a to-be-determined starter for the Houston Astros, who are playing in L.A. against the... Oakland A's. Frankie Montas is going to be going for the Oakland A's. For Montas, boy, whenever he's been starting, it has not necessarily been going well for him. Now, in his last start of the regular season, he did come in for six innings and he gave up 200 runs against the Seattle Mariners. That's nice because in five out of his previous six starts, he had given up four plus. It was not going well for him. The home runs have been a massive issue for him. He has given up a grand total of 7 over his last 4 starts. And it's even worse than that if you go a little bit further back. That yeah, started that he had against the Arizona Diamondbacks as he was dealing with some back injuries. That's not necessarily solid, but it seems like Zach Greinke's probably not going to be able to go. And then that causes the question, who winds up starting this game? You might wind up getting someone like Luis Garcia, who wound up making five total appearances in a start. And he was actually solid for the Houston Astros, but this is someone with 12 and a third innings of career experience. He wound up walking five in those 12 and a third innings. He's really went North of four and a third innings once in his career. That's a big question mark. Now, Christian Javier wound up coming out of the bullpen in game one. Perhaps you throw him out there. Probably not going to be able to go a full five, but he's able to give this team a little bit of something. Very interesting spot here for the Astros. And we do know this. The ball is just flying out of the park when it comes to the series. I mean, we saw it once again on Wednesday. These teams just hit home run upon home run. I think that we wound up seeing a grand total of seven of them. In that game, it might have been eight. I'm trying to do this off the top of my head, and Lee Mendrick's certainly not going to be available. Now, I know that he wound up pitching after throwing 49 pitches in the team's game three win against the Chicago White Sox but he had to go three innings yesterday 37 total pitches. That's a little bit brutal but you still have someone like a Joaquin Soria, JB Wendelkin, guys like this and for the Oakland A's this is a team that they don't necessarily hit for a great average but don't tell that to them in this series because you've got Marcus Simeon hitting a 545 after he was cold during the regular season. Tommy LaSalle has been able to give the team a little bit of something. You've really been able to get Matt Olsen going. He's got two home runs in this series. Chris Davis all of a sudden has life now. He went 0-5 for the team yesterday but by and large in the series, he's been able to step up for this bunch. Ramon Laureano, you got to feel like he's going to be able to give this team something along with guys like Steven Piscotti, Robbie Grossman, and Chad Pender. All of a sudden, is hitting bombs. And for the Houston Astros, George Springer had 14 home runs during the regular season. He has been absolutely terrific here in the postseason with a 500 on base. Jose Altuve in the series, 500 on base as well. Alex Bregman, Carlos Correa, they've been able to find something for Correa. He's already got three postseason home runs. He had five home runs during the regular season. Kyle Tucker has been able to get on base. I think that Montez is probably going to get blown up, but at the same time, I don't know what the Houston Astros are going to be throwing out there. This is likely going to be a game in which if we wind up seeing like another 9, even a nine and a half, I'll be taking a look at the over in this spot. Probably would lean a little bit to the Oakland A's because I think that they've got a better bullpen than that of the Houston Astros, but check back in the morning my Twitter feed at Jaren's41 because if something happens where Zach Cranky is able to go, that would probably change my handicap on this game. 925 926 on the betting board is up next. The Tampa Bay Rays are going to be playing against the New York Yankees in Petco Field. This is going to be the Yankees trotting out there Jordan Montgomery. Meanwhile, you've got Ryan Thompson as the opener for the Tampa Bay Rays. I presume that we're probably going to be seeing a lot of Ryan Yarbrough in this game as the total is 9.5. With the 9.5, you're going to be finding the under anywhere between minus 115 and minus 120. Meanwhile, the over is anywhere between even and minus 105. Seeing a straight 9 out there as well. That over is minus 125 and the under is plus 105. And the New York Yankees opened up a minus 120 favorite. This has been shifting around a little bit as I'm seeing right now. You're finding anywhere between minus 117 and minus 133 on the Yankees. Meanwhile, plus price on the Rays, as low as a plus 107, as high as a plus 123. This is another spot in which I'm going to be taking a look at the Rays. They certainly aren't going to be able to get as much depth out of Thompson, but we've already seen Jordan Montgomery have a terrible start against the Tampa Bay Rays. Last time he faced someone was on September 2nd. Two-thirds of an inning and he gave up four runs off, which weren't including two bombs. I mean, that was absolutely horrific. This is someone that he has given up at least three runs and three out of his last Five starts, but with that said in three out of those five starts, He did not go a full five. You got to feel like he's going to be on a leash. And for the Yankees, this is a team that all of a sudden has really been blowing through their bullpen. Now, Zach Britton, along with the Roldis Chapman, they're going to be available out there in the bullpen. But because Davey Garcia only went one inning and Jay App wound up having to relieve him, Michael King was used up for an extended amount of time yesterday. Nick Nelson has been used out of the bullpen. You really don't have a lot of long guys. And this is a guy in Jordan Montgomery that I don't know if he's going to be long for this game. Now, But the Tampa Bay Rays, they do an absolutely superb job of being able to maneuver their bullpen. John Curtis is not going to be able to go for this scene, but I presume that Ryan Yarbrough is going to be able to see quite a bit of time in this one. He had a 3.56 ERA during the season. He wound up having an opener go for him in two of his starts. And by and large, he's been very solid over his last five appearances. That would be... Three starts and two long relief appearances because of the opener. Two runs or fewer given up in four of them. So he has been firing on all cylinders. Zero home runs given up in those last five starts as well. Now we do know that the ball has been quite juicy up there in San Diego. That's putting it very politely. And we all know what this New York Yankees lineup is capable of. John Carlos Stanton. This is a man that is hitting the ball very, very far right now. He has given the team six home runs so far in the postseason, and he's got seven total hits. Now, Luke Voigt, he wound up getting rung up on a very, very bad call against the Tampa Bay Rays against Charlie Morton. you got to figure that his 22 home runs are going to translate. Aaron Judge has been a little bit cold in this series. He's hitting a buck 43. DJ LeMayu has still been able to get on base. So, Aaron X, all of a sudden, though, Instead of 5.56 in the series. And speaking of all of a sudden, Randy Arozarena has become like Mr. October for the Tampa Bay Rays. He's got three home runs in the three games of this series so far. I don't know how. I don't know why. He entered into the postseason with 8 career regular season home runs and all of a sudden in 4 postseason games, he has been able to find it with a trio of home runs. I mean, it's just absolutely insane. Austin Meadows continues to not hit along with Brett Phillips with Joey Wendell. Has been able to get on base. 545 batting average. Yoshi Satsugo just continues to disappoint ever since coming over from the MPB, but Mike Perez wound up going deep for this team yesterday. That's when you know things are going right along with Kevin Kiermaier. He wound up having that three-run shot in which it looked like there might have been a strike about to throw him out prior to that, but with the Tampa Bay Rays, you've got guys like Aaron Slager that are able to come out of the bullpen for multiple innings. This is a team that they do such a good job of being able to maneuver things, and I actually could see this being a little bit of a sneaky under. If this line continues to hold at 9.5, I'm going to wind up taking the over. I presume that it's probably not going to be jumping too much, but if this thing were to reach double digits, I would take a look at the under... That would really be my buy point here at 9.5, especially with the juice being a little bit on the under. I am going to be going over in this spot, and I am right now seeing the money pouring in on the Yankees. So, plus price with the Tampa Bay Rays just continuing to look better and better. So, going with the Rays, at 9.5, I'm going over. At 10, I'd start to look at the under, and 9.27, 9.28 is the final game on the betting board. We do now have a starter for the San Diego Padres as they're going to be facing off against the Dodgers. Dodgers have yet to announce a starter. Gotta think that it's probably going to be someone like a Tony Gonsolin in the spot. Meanwhile, Adrian Modohone is going to be going for the San Diego Padres. No numbers on this game. I mean, as long as the Dodgers are out there, a human being not named Kenley Jansen, I'm probably going to wind up taking them on the run line. That's just me being honest here. I mean, I do think that it's going to be Tony Gonsolin, but if you take a look at the lineup of this team, you did wind up having... Dustin may come in for long relief in game 1 so you could also have Julio Arias and regardless of whether it's Gonsolin or Arias, both of these guys had a 330 or lower ERA with Arias. He's been very good at being able to keep the ball in the yard. He's given up 5 home runs over the course of 58 innings. Not necessarily great swing and miss stuff. Not the stuff that we saw him coming up with before the Tommy John, but still 50 punch outs across 58 innings during the regular and postseason and for Gonsolin, this is someone that was just absolutely superb for this team aside from a very strange long Relief appearance in which Justin May went down with an injury. He really has been able to hold down the four for this team. Two home runs given up in 46 and two-thirds innings in a starting role in ERA south of two. I have faith in both of these guys with Kenley Jansen getting used up for quite a bit in the team's win on Wednesday. That actually gives me a little bit more faith here in the Dodgers. And with the Dodgers, we all know about this offense. I mean, you got Mookie Betts and Corey Seager at the top of the fold. both of these guys hit north of a 290 during the regular season. They had a combined 5 hits during the team's win on Wednesday just to turn her down for what is a consistent 300 hitter. Max Muncy up below the Mendoza line of 200 during the regular season, but he's hitting a 375 during this series. A.J. Pollock along with Austin Barnes. you got to figure that they're going to find it. Cody Bellinger has been hitting better. Will Smith currently in a 0. 0.000 but with that said 375 on base and for the Padres this is certainly a team that's able to mash Manny Machado and Eric Cosmer wound up going deep in game 2. You've got Fernando Tetes Jr. is in a little bit of a scuffle but we saw him eat up in game 2 of that series against the St. Louis Cardinals. He and Will Myers both had multiple home runs in that game both of these guys are a little bit cold but I think that they're going to be able to find a little bit of life. Trent Grisham has been able to do a solid job of getting on base in this series as well and for the Padres they do have a much more solid open than what it was before the trade deadline, but they wound up having to go to Emilio Pion, Pierce Johnson for the second straight game, and Dan Ultavilla wound up having to go for 20 pitches. With more this is someone that he's got good stuff. He's going to be a player for the future for the team, but you got to think that he's probably not going to give you really not much more than three innings. I still remember when he wound up making a long relief appearance about two weeks ago against the LA Angels. He wound up giving up multiple home runs. This is someone that during the regular season, he just flat out wasn't necessarily great. It felt like he would cruise for about two or three innings, and then all of a sudden, Things would go completely haywire as he was pretty much captain break classic case of emergency for this team with a 466 ERA. Now, the strikeout stuff is good 11 and a half punch outs per nine innings during the regular season, but you just have that fear of the home run. He wound up giving up seven of them. In 19 at a third innings, I know that the ball is not necessarily flying the best out there in Arlington, but this is probably going to be an over spot for me, especially if we wind up seeing something like a 9 in this spot. Now, for seeing double digits, it's going to be much like the game between the Rays and the Yankees. If we reach that double digit total, then I'll be taking a look at the under. Anything below 10, I'm probably going to be taking a look at the over. And with the Dodgers... I mean, pretty much anyone other than Ken Lee Jansen is going to do it for me. And that will do it for the Baseball Bang Podcast on this Thursday. A big thanks to Patrick Rayden out there with ESPN 97.5 in Houston for joining me in the last segment. If you like what you're hearing from this fine podcast, you can subscribe wherever you get your podcast Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, and TuneIn. And if you ever have ever a question for the podcast, feel free to fire that into my Twitter timeline at Janus41. Hopefully, you're all safe, healthy, and doing well. I'll talk to you guys once again tomorrow.
0: Your morning commute typically takes 25 minutes. If a 400-cubic-foot dairy truck spills 2% milk on the freeway, causing you to take a detour and get stuck at a drawbridge for 20 minutes, how late will you be? Don't know? Well, good news. You don't have to. Because Waze knows. With real-time traffic alerts from real Waze users, your ETA is always up to date. Waze. Download and drive today.